fucking night And you showed up and patched me up like you do every time I get Hey guys, welcome back to The Takeaway Show. If you're new, welcome. For those who have been tuning in and um, listening every week, thank you guys so much uh, for all the love and support. Guys, we have an exciting episode today. I've been so excited about this one. I've been looking forward to it. Uh, I have my best friend, Caleb Crocker, is going to be joining us over the phone interview and Caleb, just a little bit of an intro before I call him up to give you some uh, backstory. Caleb and I go back way, 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 way back. And we'll probably uh, talk about this. We met each other during homeschool group. And Caleb's dad has a theater company. And I actually got to participate in one of their plays. And he has been just a force in the theater field. And he is uh, passionate about spreading uh, stories and putting a smile on people's faces through theater theatrics and uh, acting. <clears throat> so I'm really excited to get for you guys to get to know him. And I'm going to ask him some questions uh, orienting around just theater and film. Today's mostly going to center around that. It's just the theater and the film field and uh, what that has brought us today. Where are we now? Where are we going into the future? And what he's doing to contribute to that and, and what he's doing different. Uh, before we get started, though, I just want to first say thank you to all the support, the listener support, and for your love. This podcast wouldn't be here without you guys. Uh, thank you so much. I had the uh, absolute op- great opportunity this weekend to go down to AT&T Stadium in Dallas and uh, get to know some different business owners and uh, spread the uh, word about this project. And uh, I'm feeling really excited about the future, guys. There's going to be some guests on here that I'm super, super excited in collaborations and getting just to partner and join hands with other people that have a story to, to share and providing this platform for them to share that experience and those stories. So, again, thank you so much. And uh, be sure to follow on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook at The Takeaway 2023. And... Let's get to uh, going into these this main uh, part of the interview and call Caleb up. Hello, hello, Caleb. How I'm are you? How are you doing? I can't complain. Yeah, Caleb, we are. Uh, you are on the podcast right now. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Is I'm super excited about it. Uh, our talk today. We got a lot of some stuff to cover, uh, but thank you so much for taking the time to be able to do this. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to, to get to be on your podcast, man. I'm super excited. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So I kind of gave a background of who you were and how uh, we met. And I, and I explained that we'd probably go into that. There is one thing I got to talk to you though about. Um, I probably brought this up to you before, but do you remember in um, high school, we were at the roller skating rink, um, and we had our picture taken by the Superman poster. Do you remember that? It sounds vaguely familiar, but I'm going to be honest. I don't have a great memory, so a lot of high school is just, it just flashes. Uh, okay, so we were, it was like our end of the summer thing. We went to that roller skating rink. I think it was Skatelands of America in Denison. 
And there was like this Man of Steel poster, and you and I got our picture by it. We were posing as Superman by the uh, the poster, and I cannot, for the love of everything, find that picture. And I really, 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 really want it bad so much <laughs> to make fun of myself because I was such a twig in high school. <laughs> I I believe it. I'll have to like go look through my old photos and see if. I wonder who took the picture. That's the thing, because it's you and me. But I want to know who took the picture. I wonder if it was like um, a Brandon Smoot. I I, I think it might have been him. <clears throat> We're gonna have to contact him and find out. Like, yeah, we gotta get this. We gotta get the ball rolling on this. We gotta get that picture. We gotta solve this mystery. Uh, exactly. Caleb, uh, again, thank you so much for doing this. And you know, you and I go back way back, like we were we were just talking about his uh, homeschool. Do you remember the first time we met? I can't put my finger on it. I, I want to say you, you and I maybe had a class together, um, and that's how we met. <clears throat> that would be my guess. I think that you and I just kind of saw each other in passing and might have been introduced to each other once or twice, but we didn't really know each other. And then I believe you and your sister started taking piano lessons from my older sister. Yes. And that's when I really started getting to know you. Yes, yeah. I remember your your sister, Samantha. I remember going over there and Priya, um, my sister, going over every week and doing piano. And your mom taught Spanish. Um, so, sure. yeah. So for those who are listening, Caleb speaks Spanish. Caleb, can you say something in Spanish for us? Sí. Yo creo que puedo. All right, I'm going to let you, uh, uh, what did you say in English? <laughs> I said, uh, I said, I believe I can, as in speaking Spanish. Oh, lovely, lovely. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's how we met. And then just, I kind of, we, we kind of just, you know, we're off to the races after that, you know, um, your dad has, uh, your, I, I want to say this, I want to get it correct. Does your dad still currently own the theater company? So my father was a, managing director as well as a children's director for a company in Sherman called, well, a non-profit in Sherman called SCP or Sherman Community Players. Um, he has recently retired from such and now is a teacher for middle school and high school as well as uh, he still gets invited to do some directing on the side. I believe he's hopefully going to be doing a summer musical this year. Fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I remember being part of the, uh, one of the plays. I don't, I don't know if you remember, I'm sure that you do. Uh, do you remember the play, the stone in the road? I, I am aware of it. So do you remember me being in that play? <laughs> I gotta tell you, I would love to say yes and just be like, I totally remember everything, but I have seen so many shows. I the I, I don't hold it against you if you don't remember, but I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> but I was part of one of your dad's plays. He uh, put on. It was called The Stone in the Road, and it was my first theater ever, first time acting, and I was so nervous. It was like a Friday night play, and I was so surprised how many people actually came out and watched it. I was like, wait, this is like a. 45 minute play or whatever how many are there really that many theater people out here in grayson county <laughs> oh, you'd be surprised. My goodness. 
Oh, man. Well, Caleb, um, I want to get into kind of the meat of this uh, interview. Um, we can talk all day about film and theater, and there's some questions I have. Me personally, I'm sure people listening. Um, you you just told me last week you just got done completing writing the TV show. Can we talk about that? Congratulations. What's Thank this you. TV show about, man? Tell us all about it. All right. I'll tell you what I can about it, but... Essentially, me and a stand-up comedian from the Dallas County area uh, worked on a mockumentary-style TV show. So any of y'all that have seen The Office or Parks and Rec, yes. <laughs> it's that style, but it's, it's about creating a TV show. And we finished uh, writing the pilot episode, I'd say, over a year ago, and then just this last summer, we officially filmed the pilot, and it is currently off with producers right now. They're taking a look at it, and then after that, I guess it's uh, off to the networks. Wow. So um, I get, I'm i sure you're familiar with then Greg Daniels and his creative, like The Office and Parks and Rec. And, you're speaking my language right now. Yeah. Uh, Greg Daniels, if you don't know, guys, go check out Greg Daniels where he did the – he could create the American version of The Office – and Parks and Recreations. He has a million other great shows out there. So are you the next Greg Danielson, Caleb? Can we can we officially give you that title like for the future? I mean, those are some big shoes. <laughs> I believe you can do it. <laughs> I, I would absolutely love to, I don't know, accomplish a tenth of what he has or even be his next protege. Oh, that would be – he would be the perfect person to be under. Um uh, I don't know if you've listened to the Office Ladies podcast. I'm shouting out another podcast here. Every week. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I, did you listen to the one with Steve Carell? Which one? Are you talking about their most recent one? Yeah, where he came into the uh, the um, the studio. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. Dude. I held off on that one because I have a drive ahead of me, and I like to listen to those you, on my long drives. Don't drive off the road, but you'll you'll laugh your laugh silly the whole time. I, I guarantee you. Um, right. But I, I I think that you know Greg Daniels is the perfect person to be under or, or take lessons from because he's so creative and he collaborates with the people he's working with so well. You know, there's so many producers and directors out there that can get a little selfish. You know, there's a little bit ego you know, thrown into, well, this is my thing. This is my, my project, you know, stay in your place. You know, Greg Daniels is so good at being able to collaborate with the actors and getting to know them and, and you know, build their backstory. Um, Caleb, I want to ask you for, I know you've been in plays, obviously, besides directing and writing them, you've also been in plays. Have you ever given your character in whatever play you're in, a little bit of your own personal backstory. Like you, you kind of created your own thing and been like, well, this is maybe why this character is like this and kind of imprinted it into the actual uh, play itself. That, uh, that, that takes me back. That's the stereotypical theater kid homework that I used to do, especially if I didn't have like a named part in a play. And then, you know, I don't know anything about this character. So I would go and I would write a backstory. I'd, come up with a reason, you know, a why and a how. Um, so I can't even count on my hands how many times I've done that. 
Wow. Yeah, that's that's uh, I've heard a lot of people do like professionals in that business. That's something they do. And I just was curious to see if you've ever done it, hear it from somebody, I, you know, close to me who's ever actually done it and, and how they've experienced what their experience with that is. I think that's giving your character. I think we do that with ourselves, too, in a little bit of ways. You know, we kind of we give ourselves a little bit of a backstory in a way of, well, this is why I'm like this. And we pick in part these personal experiences and then add them to, you know, we're like, well, that's why I'm like that. And I think we do that. We can do that too with our characters, you know, um, we create in our mind. Um, Cause I think we're all really good at that. Right. <laughs> um, Caleb uh, last night were the Oscars. I just kind of want to veer off a little bit. Last night were the Oscars. And I just want to talk about, Brendan Fraser's win for a minute and just kind of dote on the fact that uh, he won his very first Oscar. Can you believe that? I know. It's astonishing. After all the projects and the, you know, the years he's been doing this, I'm sure it's just as much an accomplishment now as it would have been, you know, seven years ago. Yeah. It kind of propelled me all the way back to being a kid, you know, and watching Georgia, the jungle and, um, you know, and the mummy and stuff. I'm like, how did this not happen before? But, um, you know, and, and today, you know, watching the Oscars I, and watching a lot of these awards and, and just the films today, Caleb, what is your um, what is your opinion on on the films and the shows today? What if you could kind of sum all of it up and, and consolidate it? Do you feel like it's it's true television? It's true entertainment, or or would you kind of shy away from it and create when you, if you were creating your own show like you have, would you base it off of and take a lessons from people of today, or would you kind of create your own thing? Uh, short or long answer. Hey, we got all night. So, <laughs> all right. Um, I believe that there is always, you know, true art being done. I can't say that it's. In every show, a lot of them are just factory made for a profit. But there's always people looking to innovate and do their own thing. And you've even seen that in recent shows like The Good Place, which was written by Michael Schur, which mm -hmm. it still has his style of comedy, which has been done. But he also added his own take by mixing comedy with philosophy and trying to make it an actual show that is not afraid to teach, which a lot of shows would be afraid to do because they don't want to bore their audience or lose them. Um, definitely, if I'm doing my own show, I would love to say that I would do my own thing, make it entirely original, but that probably wouldn't be true. I, I very much would you know, find things that I admire that I could study and have them help me as a template, especially as I'm getting started. Right. Okay. Wow, that's a good, that's a good answer. I like that. You know, I watched movies and, and TV today and even back then, you know, I wasn't exposed to a lot of television outside of, um, my parents were old school, so we always either had the Andy Griffith show on or Matlock or Walker, Texas Ranger. Um, but just shows today, I feel like there's they're they're forcing a message on viewers and audiences today. And as Christians, 
I think when we implant our faith and what we believe, and it kind of collides with that message that they're trying to force on us, it's so hard to enjoy it. I find that a lot of households um, aren't truly able to enjoy television the way we used to before all this. And with films and, you know, movies, I mean, I, I watch all kinds of movies, um, too, you know, I... I'm not shy. To, I'm not very big on like, well, I don't watch this because of that. I, I'm kind of more in a mature state where I can watch something and not be like, well, this is what I believe now. Um, I'm pretty, pretty strong in my faith. At least I like to think, think I am. Um, but just there's so many, uh, just unsafe things that are on the screens today, and you know, with with you now getting into that that business. Uh, Caleb, what's your approach to it? Are are you wanting in your in your work in your craft? What message do you hope to spread through that that work? Well, first of all, I'd like to make a comment on what you said earlier. I completely agree. Um, I definitely prefer my shows to to stay unpolitical. I am not afraid of world building and having a specific character with specific political beliefs. But when you try to lean too hard, you're just alienating an audience. Right. Um, As for me, when I'm putting out a show or a project, I do like to send out a message. And generally, because I'm a very happy, optimistic person, that's what I like to put out there is happy shows that will give you, you know, 20 to 45 minutes of just getting away from the world and laughing or enjoying yourself. But if I were to take on a serious project, you know, I would have to find whatever that message is, um, find the, the root of the project. But typically, it's just happy-go-lucky. Right. No, I think the world needs more of that. And I, can, I can't even, you know, just... I can go all night about it. Just how no- negative and depressing <laughs> a lot of things are, you know, with, you know, we turn on shows and, and I do like drama, drama shows and stuff, but it's so hard for me to watch realistic TV. You know, like if I turn on, let's say I turn on a show like NCIS, SEAL Team or something like that, and then there's a real world issue in that show. I'm like, oh man, now I don't want to watch it because it's like I have to I have to see this every day. You know, I have to hear about it, I have to listen to it, whether I scroll on social media, I turn on Sirius XM. So it's in our ears, you know, that that sound in that that drama is in our ears. I don't want to put it on my TV and have to witness it with my own eyes, you know? And if I want to turn on TV, I want to turn on something that kind of throws me to who that's why I love, you know, films like Lord of the Rings and uh, Star Wars. And I try to stay back when I was younger, what I grew up with, because it actually transported me to a place in my, my emotional state, my mind, somewhere completely fictitious where I don't have to deal with real, real world, you know, problems, you know? And so it's it's just so it's such a difficult task of that and what what's the number one reason why we watch TV to take a break you know to get away from everything we come home from a day at work we put on a movie we have family night it brings us together 
are we really wanting to put something in front of our eyes that really kind of divides us, you know, and, and draws a wedge between families? And, you know, well, I disagree with this and I agree with that, you know. So you're totally right. You know, politicizing and forcing something on people, especially young viewers, you know, now we have TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and trends that are just off the charts. And young people, they'll eat anything up, you know, not like when we were younger, we didn't have all that stuff, you know, we weren't, we didn't have access to it. Um, so young people today will eat all that up. So I'm so afraid for this generation to eat up the wrong thing, you know, to consume the wrong thing. So, um, but is there any advice, I guess, segueing off of that with the younger generation, is there any advice you would give to somebody who wants to kind of work their way into where you're at right now with you know, theater and, and, and writing their own show and wants to pursue that field, what advice would you give that person? Um, the first piece of advice I would give is, you know, don't hold yourself back. If you want to get started, just get in there and get started because you have to start somewhere no matter where it is. Don't expect to just be professional and everything work out for you. And the other piece of advice I would give is find find a good team. Find mm. people who will encourage you and keep you sane uh, because, you know, the world is full of terrible things and it's easy to give in to them. So find good, solid people who will keep you accountable. That's good. And I think that could be, you know, advice we could use all around, you know, yeah. in any area, you know, whether it's pursuing that or pursuing a job and, you know, business or, you know, pursuing anything, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people is such a huge, huge factor. Because if not, you know, you never know, um, you know, what you could have, should have, would have you'll be in that section of people instead of I did it and you had the right people behind you. Um, so I, I like that. That's good advice. Um, Caleb, uh, what is your, I, I don't think I even know this. What are your, who are your favorite uh, role models in the industry of theater and uh, film? Who are your role models that you look up to? <clears throat> My first and foremost role model when it comes to theater is my father. Mm. He, uh, he's done some pretty incredible things and gone unnoticed or unrecognized. And just the impact that he has had in multiple young people's lives in the process of doing children's theater is astonishing. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's kept his character all throughout. He's a kind-hearted, godly man. And that's, you know, that's more than you can ask for from most anyone. Oh, true, true. Uh, if I were to reach out and look in uh, the professional film world, I don't know. There's a lot of talented people out there. I can't just pick one and say they're my role model, though, because everyone's got their thing, and I like to learn and take a little bit from everyone. Right. Well, I mean, with directoral stance, there's so many good directors out there to learn from, you know. Um, I I think that, you know, one of, I've always said if I wanted to take a class 
like directing a film or directing something, I would want to take it from Christopher Nolan. Um, because I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. I love The Dark Knight. I love Inception. I love Tenet. Uh, all his films. I'm so looking forward to Oppenheimer. Um, I think he's great with cinematography. I've watched all the films. And I think if I were to take a class on directorial, it'd definitely be him. If I had to take a class on acting, it would definitely be by Denzel Washington. Um, so th- those are, I want to throw that out there. So if those two end up listening to my podcast, just let you know, you got a guy here that really likes your stuff. <laughs> I actually did get to take a masterclass a while back from Ron Howard. Oh, Ron Howard. That was one of the most useful classes I have taken. I've taken quite a few courses from various, you know, professionals, but it was really interesting. I learned a lot from Ron Howard. What are some of your favorite works from Ron Howard? Um, I recently watched It's more of a political, it's a drama. Exactly, it's a drama. And you could call it political, but it, it's far enough in the past that we're not immediately dealing with those things right now. So it didn't stress me out. Um, he also did the Apollo 12 movie. Yes, yes. That, one, that, one's, yes. that one's pretty good. And of course, I watched Arrested Development, which he was a producer on, and I believe he directed some of the episodes. I- he did... I think one of my my favorite ones he did uh, he directed was the Da Vinci Code, mm. and In the Heart of the Sea with Chris Hemsworth. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal films. Um, and it ties back to uh, what you were saying about the Andy Griffith Show because that's Opie. Yeah, Opie right. right and his daughter is Bryce Dallas Howard, who's a phenomenal director herself with The Mandalorian. Uh, the the episodes in The Mandalorian. She's directed some of them, and a phenomenal actress in Jurassic World. So. Um, Wow, I could go all day with this. <laughs> um, <laughs> if listeners are listening, they're like, whoa, who is this person? Yeah, I'm a film buff. Um, I want to kick it back with this question, Caleb. I kind of want to kind of rewind the clocks with us. Um, you and I were homeschooled, and you and I probably were brought up very differently. Um, and, I agree with that statement. Yeah, very. I, I, um, you, uh, you probably could see right through everything. But Caleb, uh, can you talk a little bit of the challenges being homeschooled and how both the good and bad has brought you to where you are today? And, and would you, I'm sorry, there's a couple of questions in a question, um, <laughs> but would you choose homeschooling for your kids in the future? Well, you may be speaking to the wrong person if you want to hear about the bad, because I, I really enjoyed my entire homeschool career. And that's, that's really because a lot of the pitfalls that homeschoolers have is not being able to get out and socialize enough. Yeah. And I, I was able to overcome that because my parents were uh, pretty social people. No, oh, for so, sure. I mean, your dad yeah. ran a business, so yeah, he had to be social. <laughs> exactly. Um, definitely one of the biggest pitfalls of being homeschooler is finding homeschool uh, sports leagues which I know more and more are popping up. But I, I did get to play soccer and basketball, and I really wanted to play football, but I couldn't find a homeschool football team. Uh, but 
I really enjoyed homeschooling, frankly, because I can do my school in my pajamas. Right. And, <laughs> and I'm not sure how your family was, but did you ever go on specific like learning outings? Like my family used to go to the zoo, and that was our learning experience. We did. And, we did. You know, I, I do remember quite a few of them. Um, went to the Perot Museum, went to the zoo, went to some Civil War reenactments and uh, museums and stuff. Uh, and, and, of course, we had horses. We had equestrian. We had horses. We had sheep. Um, so that was a main part of two of our – we just walked outside our backyard, and boom, we had horses. There was, you know, science and home ec right there. So, yeah. And that's the good and bad thing of homeschooling is everything is a learning experience. Right. Which is super fun, but also sometimes you're like, can we turn off school mode for a little bit? We used to go into the grocery store, and my mother would make us look at the brands and calculate. I appreciate it now, but at the time I was like, can I just go home and play, please, Mom? Right, yeah. I mean, we had to take our schoolwork everywhere we went. Everywhere I'd be lugging these school textbooks in. And he'll be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, we got to bring our school with us. You know, like, it's just... All schoolwork is homework when you're homeschooled. It really is, everything. And it kind of orients all around that. And one of the things I I look back on, and um, you probably could guess this, I didn't have a lot of social um, time. Uh, I didn't have a lot of getting out there. I mean, I, I saw you once a week at homeschooling. There was times we were always moving, so there were different homeschool groups we would get involved in. And people always would used to tell me, you'll never survive in public school. You'll never survive. They'll eat your lunch. And my senior year, I went to my first public school, Rowlett High School, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Had the best, I think in that year of going to high school was better than the entire middle school and up to that point high school years that I had combined that one year because, wow, you know, I defied the odds with a lot of people. They're like, you're never going to survive. And I'm like, well, look at, you know, here I am making straight A's, having a ball. You know, I had a job. I was, you know, going to high school. And so I think there's so much more negative. You, 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 like I said, you and I were raised differently in that, in that sense. You had a lot more positive experience with homeschooling, but your family was also more so energetic with things. You know, there were more, I think that's like, that's 90% of homeschooling is the parents vibe. I mean, the, the, the mom and dad, Dad was never around. He didn't really care much about our schoolwork or where our status was with that. It was always mom, and she was driving cra- driving herself and us crazy, <laughs> you know, pulling her hair out every day. And so it was such a downer, you know. But honestly, I look back at that time, and I want to homeschool my kids. With that negative experience... I do want to home my, homeschool my kids because I told my wife, I was like, I'm going to be the fun dad. I'm going to be like, one day we're going to wake up and I'm just going to be like, listen, no textbooks today. We're going out. We're going to this. <laughs> we're going to go to this field trip. We're going to that field trip. I'm calling out of work. We're going to do so much stuff today. And they're going to be like, yeah, Brenda's going to have to pe- deal with it. She's going to have to deal with, the, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that we're not doing school today. So, um, but, you know, and 
I do. I think it's if you're gonna homeschool, you need to do it right. You know, the, you know, there's not a system. I was having this conversation the other day with Brenda and my mom. We were talking about homeschooling, and I was like, I feel like my homeschooling experience was just we go to school, we do our school, or we go do our textbook work, we do our lesson of the day. It was like a robotic, you know, thing, and it's not. You know, I have such a passion for getting out in the world i would love i'm 24 years old 20 about to be 25 and i'm hey, like i know right and and i'm like so energetic about the world i want to go i'm like telling you know brendan and i i'm like we're gonna go to this museum we're gonna do this i mean last weekend i went out to dallas texas out of the blue walked downtown met different people went to different you know stores and i just there's so much out there there's a whole world out there you know and i i was like you know i want to be that kind of dad i never want to i don't want that part of me to ever die you know i never want to stop learning and i never want to stop getting to have different experiences with people and meeting different i mean the other day this this last saturday i'm sorry i'm rambling on um this um this last saturday i went to att stadium to an rv convention and um i stood in line to go meet michael irvin didn't get to meet him unfortunately but i met some of the most amazing people in line i met an author i met a guy who won a tv show for creating an invention that got patented like you there's so many people out there you know who have accomplished different things and when you take that step outside, you know, and not just lock yourself in, whether you're homeschooled or you're, you're a kid or you're in the now, an adult, when you lock yourself away, you lock yourself and rob yourself of these amazing opportunities and amazing interactions. And I, I, I don't want that, my, that part of me to die. And I don't want my kids to have to have that too, you know? I don't want that passed down to my kids. I want my kids to be just as excited and curious about the world, even if it's learning about, you know, a flower, or learning about a, a bird, or learning about something that works, you know? I want them to be excited. I want them to be curious and be like, oh, we gotta research that. You know, I'm always researching stuff, and um, every time we go on a road trip, you can ask Brenda, I stop at almost every historical marker. I gotta read it. I have to read it. I have to take a picture of it and read it and know it and learn it, you know, and then share it with somebody because it's just, there's so much, you know, and we've come, we wouldn't be here today without our history, you know, without history in the making. That's how we learned. That's how we got here and, and, and people, and if people weren't like that, we wouldn't have what we have today. I mean, if, you know, Tesla wasn't, excited about the future we wouldn't have electricity and and, and a, a film like you're into uh, theater and film you wouldn't have that if it weren't be for somebody who was excited and wanted to know about it you know i mean so we wouldn't have a phone you know without somebody being energetic and wanting to invent it and wanting to know and learn everything about it so i guess i want to consolidate all that and what i said is just say you know i mean there's so much more to just doing the textbook and doing the work every day, you know? And I guess it's speaking to other homeschool families and maybe homeschool families that are listening. Don't isolate your kids, you know, don't lock your kids away from all that. Cause there's so much out there and they can learn probably more than a textbook. 
I mean, I hate sitting down and reading a textbook. I can read a book, but I hate sitting down for hours and hours and doing it, you know, because I'm a hands-on kind of person. And I think that's, that's where our difference came in at an angle of that, that way is, you know, you guys, you had the theater, your, your mom taught Spanish, you guys were involved and, and my parents weren't involved. You know, they weren't hands-on. It was just do your schoolwork and that's it. And it was like, what did I accomplish today? And then, and like I was saying, I could walk out in my backyard and there are horses. Well, that's about the extent of it, walking out in my backyard, you know? So I'm so grateful where I came from. I'm so grateful I have those opportunities. I'm not downing it. I'm not shooting it down in any way, but there's more to life. You know, there's more to learn. There's more to experience. And, and homeschooling, I think homeschooling gets a bad name, Caleb. I really do. I think sometimes it really does get a bad name. When I say that, they're like, oh, that's what's wrong with you. No, there's nothing wrong with me. It's just I wasn't dealt the best hand or had the best experience, you know? And I think that's the same for both homeschool and high school. Everything that you just said, you can have a great experience in public high school or in private school or homeschooling, as long as you have that right support team, as long as you have someone who is invested in your education and, you know, in getting you invested in learning. It's very true. And it goes back to what you said earlier about having the right people around and supporting, you know, having the right support group that it's such, it makes such a huge difference. It's like going to, you know, a job, and if you don't work around excited people or maybe not excited about the job, but just not exciting people and positive people, it really gives your eight-hour day just a drag, you know? <laughs> so it, it kind of works from every angle. Um, but sorry about that rant. I just <laughs> – um, That felt like you needed to get <laughs> It was something that needed to be said, and I had to say it. But anyways – uh, Caleb, is um, is there anything you want to say? The floor is yours. Is there anything you might want to say or want to express um, here to kind of wrap everything up? Wrap everything up? Nothing specifically. Um, if I may, I would love to leave you with an interesting uh, tidbit. Go for it. Because earlier you mentioned, uh, you know, it took someone being excited about to get, you know, you were talking about Nikola Tesla and electricity, and then you talked about someone had to be excited for film. And so I thought I would quickly share one of my favorite facts about film, and that is that it would not exist um, if it weren't for a bet. A bet? Essentially, there were two gentlemen. I couldn't tell you the names right now if I tried. I, I suppose I could Google it later or just go back to my book and read it. But uh, they were making a bet. And one of the gentlemen said that I believe that there is a point in time in which all four hoofs of a horse are off the ground while running. And the thing about horses is they're running so fast that they couldn't tell. Exactly. And so the only way to settle the bet was one gentleman lined up multiple cameras in a row and set them off one by one creating multiple different frames in which he found that all four of the horses hooves were off the ground. And you can actually go and see uh, redrawings 
of that, and that was known as the first film. It was kind of like a flip book, you know, just multiple frames and sequence, and you could watch the horse run. Is that the? And I I know that's true because isn't that a reference in the movie Nope by Jordan Peele? It is a reference in the movie Nope. I yeah. I'm going to say the information they give you in the movie Nope is false. Oh. Um, yeah, that's not actually accurate the way they depict it. The version that you're seeing in the movie Nope is a recreation of the original bet because the original photos weren't nearly as clean as the ones you see nowadays or the recreations. Well, of That's course, it. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for doing this. One more thing before we go. I have to mention, so the restaurant Camilla Vejo, I think that's, I said right, in Sherman, um, they have the best quesadillas. I don't know why, but I had never had their quesadillas until last Christmas. And I know that was a a favorite spot of you guys' for going on field trips. And I wanted to let you know that they have the best quesadillas ever. <laughs> I have not been in so long because I do not live in Sherman anymore. But next time I visit, I will have to try their quesadillas. Yes, we need to go together. You need to hit me up and we can go together. <clears throat> that sounds like a plan. All right. That sounds like a plan right there. All right. Well, Caleb, thank you so much for doing this again. Uh, where can people find you on Instagram? Uh, I know you're on Instagram. Do you mind sharing that uh, on the podcast so people can find you and follow you? I would love to. I wish I remembered my Instagram handle. I think it's like Caleb Benjamin Crocker with underscores in between the names. Okay. I think that's it. Okay. You can probably just search Caleb Benjamin Crocker and I'll pop up somewhere. All right. I'll definitely then share your profile. Well, congratulations on your accomplishment, the TV show. I can't wait to watch it. I need to, I want to be invited to the premiere. I just All want, right, I'll I, put you on the guest list. Okay. Thank you, Caleb. You have a great night. All right, you too. Good night to you. Bye. 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 Well, guys, that was Caleb Crocker. As you can see, he's an amazing person, a great friend of mine. So much to talk about. Thank you so much for joining and listening to the show. Um, so much more exciting guests for the future and like Caleb who have interesting stories and things to share and who who are excited just as I am about life and learning. But thank you again for listening. I hope you guys have a great week and I will see you guys or talk to you guys next week for another episode. Until then, have a great week. Love you and thank you.